Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-patrollable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Guys, of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Conduits of trouble time, which means it's uh, Zolgad and Chip Scoggins, Declan Goff, executive producing as he does for all of our Score North content. Uh, Chip Scoggins definitely want to discuss what has gone wrong with the uh, with the Twins with you, but since it's draft week and since we are the former Access Vikings team. <laughs> And it's one of the most exciting times when Rick Spielman does his, well, now it's a Zoom call, it used to be a press conference, and gets up there and spills his guts and tells us there is nobody, nobody that he wouldn't draft. What does your what do your spidey senses tell you about what the Vikings are going to do tomorrow night? Wait a second, are you reading my column that I'm writing right now? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I've got this new app. It's just called Read Chip, and as you're writing, it just filters right onto my app. There, my lead was about Rick in his uh, pre-draft press conference. How he cut open a vein and, in a moment of weakness, told us everything he's going to do. Might trade up, might trade down, might trade sideways, might stand still. Yep, um, might stand might his head. Anybody, even a kicker. We were we, we're going to take a kicker this year, um, or he's open to it. SEC Not kicker, down, obviously. Yeah, that's right. SEC nowhere else. Um, I think my gut is they take their best offensive lineman available there at 14, whether that's one of the tackles or the guard from USC, Vera Tucker. Mm-hmm. I think he takes um, a third-round pick and or fourth round or whatever those mid-rounds and tries to get up into the second round and takes either a another offensive lineman or a rush end. But I think he definitely will try to. I, can you see him, honestly, Judd, sure. sitting there from fourteen to seventy-eight and doing nothing? No, hell no. Yeah, so he's going to whatever it takes. I mean, we know how much he loves draft picks and how he tries to get ten to whatever. You know, last year fifteen. Um, I think this is a year where he uses some of those draft capital to, to move up and try to get in that second round mm-hmm. and get a, a more high impact player. Because you know, they need a couple of impact starters out of this draft, I think. Um, offensive linemen, for sure. They, you know, Whether they add another 
veteran after this. You know, another guy gets cut after the draft or whatever. But they need two new starters on the offense line. You either need a left tackle or a right tackle if O'Neill moves over there, and you need a left guard. So you need two new starters. Um, and I think Zimmer will want a, a pass rushing end um, in a high round too. So that's my that's my that's my hunch. Okay. How about how about you? I think that. Okay. So here here's my question. Okay. And and personally, I think the top QBs are all going to be gone. Because I think right. teams will come up and get them, okay? So if Trey Lance or or Fields, who's got a ton of smoke screens around him, right? If they mm-hmm. start to fall, I think somebody comes up and gets them. But let's just say for fun that, you know, Justin Fields falls, and he's at 14, and it's the Vikings pick. I personally would be very tempted to take him. I yes. feel like what Spielman would do is trade back. Yes. And and get a first round pick, a second round pick from a desperate team and not take the QB. But I am curious because let's say they sat there at 14 and took Vera Tucker or took a defensive end. The blowback, I think, could be incredible. Yeah. I don't know they care, but I do think that if you pass on a quarterback and make that pick at 14 and it's Elijah Vera Tucker that the um, the consternation among Vikings fans would be incredibly high. Yeah, it's, you know, they may not be here when you find out if that quarterback's, you know, yeah, uh, that's a why. star. Yes. Um, but I, but I, how much of this is, and it hasn't been said publicly by the Wills, and I don't think it will, but this feels like an ultimatum season to me, doesn't you? I mean, yes, the pressure. Because if you don't make the playoffs, that's going to be two in a year, two years in a row, and three of the last four. I just can't see the the ownership saying, you know what, we're going to ride this out at that point. Um, so I think there's uh, this urgency, right, to really well, – you saw it in free agency. I mean, they fixed that, that defense pretty dramatically, you know. Um, and some of that was just guys coming back from injury or opt-outs. But being aggressive, uh, you know, on that side of the ball to – to give Zimmer what he wanted to fix his defense. But I think there's also um, this urgency that, hey, they better fix this offensive line or, or find new starters there because they need to win. And, you know, I don't know that just getting in the playoffs is going to be enough. And so if you take a quarterback, you're not filling a pretty big hole that you have. Yes. Um, you, you're preparing for a future that you may not have. No, you're right. <laughs> with, the, with the team. And so I don't know. There'd be pressure. You know, those 10 minutes would be – I'm sure anxious for them um, about do they do it, but I just think you know you're not going to bench Cousins this year, and so right. and so you're as I said you're preparing for something you may not uh, get to even coach and be around. So I agree with you. If that if that scenario happened, I wouldn't be surprised if they did trade back and try to get their second rounder that way. I think this discussion would be a lot more fun if they hadn't made the Ngakwe trade and sure. and traded the the uh, second-round pick to the Jaguars because then it might be a little bit more, well, you, you've got a second-round pick. But, sure, but, I, yeah. but I could see Spielman and Zim both being very satisfied to say that the Patriots or Washington's going to come up and get our pick for this. So yeah, you, you, that changes you things. Say, yeah, because if you had that second-round pick, you could say, you know, and we heard 
I think Stim, when he kept saying there's a position that's really deep, I think he was losing the offensive line. I, I think you could probably talk yourself into saying, all right, we'll take a quarterback in the first round. We'll get our, our offensive lineman who's not that far behind, you know, maybe the first round guys that we had, and we'll do him in the second round. Um, but without that, I don't think you could wait till the third round to take an offensive lineman and think that you're really no. whole, you know, I don't think that that's an option. But didn't you find this? Did you listen to Spillman yesterday? Yep, I sure did. He did when he was answering stuff. You know, he did slide in there. He's like, "Well, just want to remind you that once the draft is over, you're not you're not done with your roster, and there's still you know you can still add a veterans that come open, and you can still supplement." So that that led me to believe that you know they still think that there's going to be some veterans that get cut. Is that is that left tackle chip? Because Okung is still out there. Um, <laughs> Fisher is still there, and I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to get them, but I couldn't decide if I can't. It seemed like he was hedging his bets about the left tackle position there a little bit to say, yeah. well, if we don't take one, which which leads me to ask this: Would they? Would they? If there's a quarterback there at 14 and they trade back, would they take a defensive end in the 20s? Because I think that the defensive ends do fit in that um, area of the draft pretty nicely. And you know what? I mean, with how with how Mike operates, I'm never going to completely dismiss that they're done yeah. taking defensive players where there at least is still a need. The only problem with that line of thinking is you're not guaranteed to get those guys. <laughs> I mean, the draft you're guaranteed. You're guaranteed who you're going to get if you're on the clock there. Um, if you say, oh, you know, we'll, we'll sign one of those veterans in the in you know after the draft. Well, what if they have options too? What if Fisher has uh, getting a bidding war, or they want to go somewhere else? So you're not. I don't think you can count on that um, as your number one plan. I think it's you know it's nice if you can supplement and do that. And, and he also might have been talking about uh, cornerback too because um. You know, this Gladney situation, he didn't really address it yesterday. He just said they, you know, they put out a statement and they're waiting for the legal. <laughs> we put out a statement. But, yeah, but I, what what is his status, you know? So now you may be in a market for at least another draft pick or another veteran that you sign that, that might get cut. Because, um, you know, I don't think you can't count on my cues at this point, really. No. Um, and so you, that leaves you with, with Dantzler and – and uh, who else? Uh, I mean, Mackenzie. Right? Uh, yes, Mackenzie's ba- yeah. back. Patrick Peterson is going to start almost for sure. I think outside. But so, I think yeah, your top three. If you if you take Gladney out, you got Patrick Peterson, Mackenzie, and, and Danzler, which yep. you know that's that's pretty good. But I think you'd ideally want a fourth, or maybe you know. So we well, yeah, you got to you got to absolutely. So so I I wouldn't put it past you know I. I think he was talking about offensive line, but he also could have been alluding to uh, secondary, too. So, Chipper, the the left tackle or the O-line solutions, as far as I could, as far as I I can go through and try and deduct them, are threefold. One is the draft. You just take care of it with the 14th pick, which is, you know, very possible. The second one is what we just discussed, which is you get done with the draft, you didn't take one high, and so there is a veteran um, out there that can still be signed. That's the second option. And the third one is that there is some uh, sort of, and I'm guessing there is, internal move to be made, right? Where where O'Neal or Cleveland goes to left tackle. Um, if it's O'Neal, it could be Rashad Hill or Udo to right tackle. The point being is, I do think, as much as we might disagree, 
the Vikings probably have some plans that go beyond you've got to draft one. Uh, the one thing I do think it, that we will see, and I looked this up. So, so Spielman became GM after the debacle of 2011. So I think it was January mm-hmm. of 2012. And I did. I looked this up last night. So as GM of the Vikings, he has made 93 picks. He yeah. he has taken two quarterbacks, <laughs> Teddy in 2014, and and Nate Stanley in 2020. Ponder was his pick, but that was yeah. when he was, I think, it was vice president of football something, yeah. and and Les had some say in that draft, and that's the draft where he took Ponder in the first round. McNabb was then. Frazier's guy who was signed, or I'm I'm sorry, mm-hmm. traded for. But my Frazier. point being, but my point being is, so as GM, this guy has had 93 picks and taken two QBs. I think this is a draft where they take a quarterback, probably third round. Yeah, and it's um, Ben Gessling, my colleague. Um, I think in his mock draft, he had them taking a quarterback third or fourth round. Um, they got a bunch think, of fourth round picks, so yes, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and so, uh, and I think Tom Pelcero reported today that there's three quarterbacks: uh, the Mills kid from Stanford, Mond, uh, Lon from Texas A&M, and Trask. Yep. I think was the third one who were in that second, third round area um, that uh, a handful of teams, including the Vikings, have done a lot of. Uh, background work on. So it wouldn't surprise me because, um, you know, we talked about this. It's like, you know, at some point you got to start preparing for it. And, you know, are you going to find your quarterback in the future in the third round? You know, it, you know, ideally it'd be a first round guy and it's, it's close to, and I don't know if there's ever a slam dunk, but just the odds go down the farther you go that, you know, one of these guys is going to be successful. But um, it would not surprise me though, that, for them to do that to at least because that would make more sense than saying, okay, we're going to dress Nate Stanley in the seventh round. Nate Stanley, and you know, he's going to be Absol- a yes. project. He's going to be a camp arm and, you know, Jake Browning. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, at least you're saying we're putting more, we have more, um, you know, uh, belief that this guy could possibly be a starter someday uh, versus we're just going to draft a guy in the seventh round and see what happens. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me. It, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, but um, I think it all revolves around, it, it, which is what you, you started with, which we don't know is the left tackle position. And if, if they've made up their mind, okay, Brian O'Neill's the guy, then it wouldn't surprise me if they go like that Vera Tucker Mm-hmm. As as a guard in the first round, and then maybe try to draft or uh, sign a veteran, you know, right tackle off the street, or that's you know that gets cut, and then you can, you know, get your defense to the end, and and maybe drive uh, draft a quarterback in the mid round. So I mean that that would make total sense to me. I I don't think that's you know far fetched for something that they might do. On to the twins, my good man. On to the twins. There is nothing worse. I'll start off by saying this. And this is bad for the Twins, it's bad for the fans, and it's bad for those of us who are looking for things to cover that are positive, uh, which obviously gets clicks or listeners. There is nothing worse than a bad baseball team. But my God, do they qualify 
as a bad baseball team right now. This has just become yeah. it's I don't even know where to start, Chip, because because Rocco, it's been bizarre there. Um he tell you know, he he tells the media yesterday that he wasn't going to use column A in, in basically high-pressure situations. He then brings him into a one-run game, and not surprisingly, he dissolves and is terrible. Um, this team seems lifeless. This team, And it's now to a point where I don't want to hear sample size. Like, this, mm-hmm. is, this, no. is, this is too much. Where do you start with this team? Well, I was thinking about this last night. Five years ago, after a terrible start, I called Jim Polad, and he gave me the infamous total system failure quote. Yep. This is sort of what it's feeling like again, yep. where it's a little bit of everything. Um, John, I think I picked him to win 94 games. Uh, yeah, I went 96, Chip, so um, <laughs> don't be too hard on yourself. It, I mean, it's they can't hit. Um, and here's the thing that, that's probably worrisome, and I think we may have mentioned this last week, but the guys that you were – counting on to maybe have a bounce back year or not having a bounce back year. Polanco, Garver, I mean, Kepler's out, um, but he was struggling. Yep. Um, and, you know, the bullpen is an absolute disaster right now. The re- it, We knew going in that I think most people said that was the one wild card with this team because they just remade it so much and they got rid of some guys and, you know, just not completely overhauled it, but really put some – new faces in key positions. And I mean, Colney, I was listening to the radio last night. I was out and about, and um, I think Corey Provis said it right. He's like, he's broken. You know, that's really, really. Yes. And, and I understand the analytics might not have called that a high leverage situation, but if you're trailed by one run late in the, in the game, how could that not be high leverage? You know? Well, and it's um, a, pre- and it, it's just pressure. Like he, but he was, but what I don't get chip is, is this, Ordinarily, when a guy, as as Provis said, and he's right, is broken, right? And he can't mm-hmm. find the strike zone. You send him no. to the bullpen, you work with him there, you give him like four days off, and then you bring him in in the sixth in a game where it's where there's no pressure. Like yeah. that made no sense to me to to have him go to the bullpen the day after he imploded again. And I, I know he didn't throw a lot of pitches, but he still imploded. You had him go to the bullpen, and then you immediately bring him out I was just yeah. it's the thinking and Rocco's not a dumb guy he didn't he didn't all of a sudden become dumb that, that, well, that's what I don't get yeah and the thing is is like you know it, it's easy day to day game to game to kind of second guess a manager or whatever but of course Rocco's had a terrible start to this season yep I mean he just has I mean from the brain cramp the other night to his you know usage and just um you know just kind of his approach I think with this team and, and, you know, and I saw his course last night. It's like, wow, we can't do anything to control the outcomes. Like the hell you can't. <laughs> exactly. I thought the same thing. I mean, what? Then get someone in there. It can. I mean, it, it just sounded like a guy who has, who's out of answers, just completely out of answers and, and befuddled by how bad this team is right now. Cause you know, I mean, I don't think anybody thought that this team was going to be this or even have it. I mean, it's just no. the struggles are, unbelievable and i don't want to hear that they're playing hard and doing all that i mean it's you know it's a results business and you you're a month into this and you're right it's not a short sample size i mean this is it's alarming i you know they're digging a hole that i'm not sure they're going to be able to get out of 
Rocco's quotes last night, post-game. So, so he, he said, I finally addressed the team. I did all the talking, which, by the way, is the exact same thing he said when they were scuffling last year during the uh, pandemic-shortened year when he sat down with the team after a loss. It was basically the exact same. But you bring up what he said, which I found to be sort of curious, which almost was like, we're working our asses off. We're working hard. The players, I told them that they're working hard. And I couldn't decide if he was telling us what he basically wanted us to think and and then privately had, you know, clearly told the player something different. But like the message that he conveyed to to us from what he had told them to me wasn't what it should have been, which is we're all terrible right now. Like like I'm doing a bad job. Mm-hmm. You're doing a bad job. We're all doing a bad job. We have to find a way. We're better than this, which they all are. Um, so it was a very odd, like, well, they're working real hard and they're just not being rewarded and we've lost the, you've lost gut wrenching games, but I can tell you exactly why it's not like some weird flukes, you know, it's not like, man, you scored all those runs and then no, I know why you've lost because you're not good right now. And there's no excuse for being this bad. And Judd, I think his talk paid off. You see the start today? Yes. Yes. (laughs) As we record this, it's the (laughs) bottom of the first in Cleveland. It's a day game on YouTube, which I love. And uh, Buxton started with a home run. Donaldson then hit a home run. Um, Cruz got on and Polanco hit a home run, which, by the (laughs) way, leads leads me to believe that they got lit up. That leads me to believe that the manager did not say, you guys are trying so hard. That leads me to believe that he said, get your act together. I will too, and then told us something entirely different. Total guess. Does he have that in him though to like lose his mind and flip over a? You know, I'm going to tell you a story about that because because my inclination would be to say to tell you no, he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but I remember so, not the same person. But I yeah. remember that at some point in time during Les Frazier's time here. Okay, his team went and coached in the Senior Bowl. And uh-huh. and Pelissero was working for us at the time, and Bill Musgrave was the was the OC for the team in the college all star game, and they allowed Tom to go in and watch Musgrave address the team, and Tom told me you would have been astounded by how different he was. <laughs> like he was boisterous and he took control. And I mean, Bill Musgrave, I thought to myself, wouldn't hurt a fly, right? Like he yeah, was yeah. the most. And Tom said no. In the room with the players, it was different. So my inclination is to say, no, there is no way that Rocco uh, has it in him to light up his team. But that being said, maybe there's another gear there that we never see. Well. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, whatever his approach would be, um, I still, and I said this last week, and I still felt like there's too much talent on this team to be one of the worst teams in baseball, right? Yes. I mean, can we, I think people would agree with that. Now, you you know, I think it's fair to say, okay, what kind of player is Mitch Garver at this point? Or uh, I, I still think Polanco's, you know, going to be fine eventually. I mean, he's off to a terrible start, but um, I still think, but some of the guys that, you know, had big years that haven't come back, I think it's fair to question that. But I mean, you know, Kenta Maeda is better than what he's shown. And I still think, Colomay is, I don't think he's just going to be unusable for the whole season. I mean, it's just something's happened to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
maybe they get it straightened out. I don't know, but um, it is it's baffling how bad and just across the board and you know hitting bullpen starting pitching defense has been uh you know not very good just everything i mean it, it really has been a total system failure i mean it's just, it just hasn't been just one area that's that's undermined them yep and i fault i fault them from a front office standpoint chip scoggins for two things at least okay one is bullpen cuz they blew that sucker up and yeah. they basically and there's a hubris about them that we can go out and just find guys, right? And, Correct. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be changes because I think that there have to be. I totally get that. You know, the Mets paid Trevor May too much. I wouldn't have paid mm-hmm. that. So I get the guys are going to leave. But when you're just jettisoning guys right and left and you're like, oh, we'll find guys. One, that's an assumption that I think if you're going to do it as drastically as they did goes a little bit too far for me. The other thing, Chip, is the depth. And here's yeah. and here's where how did you not sign and this was a first guess for me how did you not sign a starting caliber outfielder with mm-hmm. Buxton's history and that guy could have played some left field because you probably knew you probably yeah. knew from day one that odds were good that Kirloff was going to start the season off of the big league roster so how did you not go out and find I'm not saying an all star player but how did you not go and find a guy who's not J Cave I know. Well, that's that's yeah. The the J.K. thing where he's played this much is just you know, uh, that was just them. I don't say asleep at the wheel, but just assuming he you know that's going to be you could plug him in there time and again. But I mean that's just he, he can't play this much. Um, the bullpen one is curious because is do you think that will be a yearly thing where they just think guys won't be able to repeat you know what they're doing or they get priced out or you know, like Romo, they just feel like they've had enough of. Which I uh, agree with. On him, mm-hmm. I agreed, but they, but they just let guys go. I mean, they they basically they basically tried to reconstruct it. I thought way too much. Yeah, and um, but again, you know, you go back to the column they won. Did you think you performed this poorly? I mean, even though the White Sox obviously. You know, the White Sox are laughing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but the bullpen, yeah, I think everybody knew that was going to be a wild card, and and, um, obviously that's been a major, major uh, backfire right now. But but we looked at this lineup, Judd. I mean, there's track record there. These guys hitting, you know, Um, and it's just not. I don't know. It's just not. A lot of these guys are almost automatic outs at this point. Yeah. And Chip, the problem too, though, is you you could go back and say now that a lot of guys in 2019 simply had career years. Well, that that was you know and that's and that the concern, the, and it was and that was the thought coming into last year, and you thought, well, there's going to be a regression, right? I mean, Mitch Garver's not going to hit like that. I mean, that's not who he is, probably. Sure. Um, Kepler, you know, I think you probably felt like there was going to be a little bit of regression, but and then last year just got all you know turned sideways, but. Um, it just hasn't come back for these guys it, with a you know semi normal spring training and so I don't know I mean um, you know at some point maybe the whole lineup will get back together and they'll get hot and get on a streak where they win you know ten of twelve or something to to you know make this look less uh, look less of a crisis as it is right now but man it is. Um, 
I, it's it's just staggering how bad they are. To be honest with you. Let's talk about Rocco Chip Scoggins. Yeah. So I got four things that that and this is tip of the iceberg stuff probably, but that I just wrote down that I just don't get. Okay. One a week ago Wednesday against the A's, Colome allowed to throw forty nine pitches. I mean, this is a guy who runs out to take out starters. And look, I might not agree, but that's sort of just him. So so it's not unusual. But to allow Colome to come back after blowing the save, right? And smel- and Smeltzer, who, look, I get it, don't love, but Smeltzer is fresh, and Colome allowed to throw, he's a, you know, he's a he's supposed to be a closer, I guess, 49 yeah. pitches. Colome then, as we discussed earlier in this pod, coming back yet, or yeah, coming back yesterday after you specifically have said that you're going to try and dial down the pressure. Um, Royce thinks this is nothing. I disagree completely. I think losing track of trips to the mound for Baldelli is really weird. Like he's not, again, he's not a dumb guy. Um, he's not an airhead by any means. And you just don't see that much, if no. at all. Um, to, to me, it's not. To me, if you're going to say, "Well, he's a, he's done," you know, he he should be in trouble for that. It's a one. I totally get the it was a one time thing. Sure, but bigger picture, but it's indicative of exact exactly. Something. Well, and are we buying that he was actually on the phone and missed the whole West Johnson's trip out there? I mean that—that that was the thing I saw in the paper, right? That he said he was on the phone. He said I was Colum- doing something else. Getting, I think he co- said he was on the phone getting Colomay up, and or no, uh, Stashak or whoever was. Yeah, he said I was getting no, no. Uh, Who came in? Robles. Robles. He was getting yeah, Robles up. Yeah. but you wouldn't have missed. But but is Wes Johnson going to go out there without you know Rocco knowing? And and I mean he he would literally have to be turned around at the phone with his back to the field because it's a thirty seconds. It's yeah. a stoppage in play. Like it's not a it's not a quick play in football or hockey. You know, well, and that's the thing. It's like how long does it take to go over there and say, "Hey, get Robles." Up? No, I'm not buying that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not buying. I was like, well, how long was they having long distance you know conversation? I mean, how long does that take to miss an entire mound visit? So, no, I think he just, I think he was distracted and. um just lost his train of thought. <laughs> but know, he's I, managed I think, distracted. See, I just think, like, I have no idea what's up here, Chipper, but that's the thing about it is everybody, and, and it extends to the players too. And and the one thing that I, I brought up with Phil on Mackey and Judd on Tuesday was this one, okay? The one thing, and you know this is a big deal, and so do I. And this is not an excuse, Okay. But I wonder, and we don't have any clue, I wonder what the impact of the death of Mike Bell has been. Because I will say this, I've never covered a team that had a person um, who who died close to a season and it not have an impact on a lot of people. Well, we go back to uh, Mike Zimmer. Yep. with um, Tony Sperano. With Tony Sperano, uh, was it two years ago? 19, 2019? Um, or whatever year that was, and and Zimmer I think acknowledged after the season that that really weighed heavily on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you and you also wonder too, you know, Derek Shelton, how much of an influence did he have on Rocco that first year? Just having a bench coach that you trust yep. and and can lean on and kind of help you. And, not, and not, that's not to say I don't even know who his bench coach is this year, but not to say he doesn't have that. But it, but if you have a really close, great working relationship with someone and you take that away. Maybe you just don't have that 
um, extra set of eyes or ears that you trust or keeps you, you know, helps you in, in critical situations that you've taken it away. I don't know. Um, there, there might be some of that in play. It might be just the, you know, when you listen to his or you see his quotes from last night, like I said, that sounded like a, a manager or coach that the losing is weighing on heavily. Mm-hmm. When he talked about this is the worst he's seen in baseball, he's never seen anything like it. Well, that's going to weigh on you. And, and yeah. so it might just be a lot of, you know, 10,000 thoughts swirling through his head right now. Um, and it just seems like every decision he makes is backfiring at this point, you know? That's true. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I keep going back to, you know, and they're off to a good start today. Maybe a blowout where guys, you know, they hit a bunch of home runs will uh, make the air feel a little less heavy, you know, so it can sort of relax because it doesn't look like – it looks like a very uptight group right now. Um, and naturally so when you lose, what, 13 or 15? Yeah, it's gonna, no fun. It's going to it's gonna weigh on you. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. God, Ooh. I love them. I love the Wolves. Just when you think, well, they stink, they'll be, you know, they, they might even keep that first pick. Um, they get hot and play well. I will say this. Now, now, the Rockets game on Tuesday set basketball back. But, <laughs> but the Utah games were fun. I, I watched the other one, the second one. Okay. I think that yeah, they look pretty damn good. That's what I was just going to say. I, I, I'll go back to, and I think I brought this up with you last week as well. I don't see any reason why this team a year from now cannot contend for a playoff spot. I'll say this yet, and I don't, I don't want to discredit what they did at Utah at all, but is there anything to them maybe not getting a team's best punch? Sure. And Mitchell's so out as well. Seen, yes. We've seen, yeah. And they, and they had Donovan that, Mitchell's out. Obviously. Yeah. But that hurts him. Because we've seen that before, you know, uh, where, you know, you just don't. We've seen it conversely, where you, you know whether it's the Vikings and you think they're just going to stop a team and maybe don't throw their best punch that day, whatever. Um, but I do. There were things the other night that I really liked. Uh, I didn't see the game last night, but the the Utah the second one, um, where you know as, as much as I've been down, and I think you two on Russell, mm-hmm. that made sense. You know <laughs> when you saw the him and Cap playing together and and. Um, and Edwards was, you know, driving to the hoop, and um, it looked like they had some firepower to them, and they were engaged defensively. Uh, McDaniel's obviously gives them something unique defensively, and he's, he's, you know, he digs in there. So I mean, there, if you can add, if they get, if they get to keep that pick, and you can add, you know, I still say point guard. I think others will say, you know, take the 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 center from USC um, and, and get a big to, to, to pair with, with cat and keep Russell, you know, that'd be intriguing too, but um, uh, Mobley, I think, yeah, Mobley, uh, yep. you're right. I mean, I, but the West is so darn got good. And I, I still, I still go back to Judd. You need to see more of it and you need to see more defense consistently yep. before you can say, okay, this team's going to really be in the mix to, to make the playoffs next year. Yep. And I, I am only saying contend. Like I'm not yeah, saying yeah, you're not, you're, make you're, a run. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying be sniffing a round and the eighth seed or the tenth seed or I, I don't know what what the playoff um, structure is going to be in 2021 22. But yeah, I'm just saying this team should be able to contend and be fun. And you know what, Chip? I mean, the sad truth is this: 
I just want them to be fun to watch, right? And that's what they've been the last couple yes. uh, games. I mean, they you know Utah games were they, fun. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I mean, you wish you could bottle that up um, and see that nightly, and you know that that's been the kind of the thing that's frustrating about them is just the lack of consistency. Like you, they'll show you something and then have two games where it's just a complete disaster and then show you something. So it's hard to really know, like, are they making progress or is this just kind of a blip? But um, I think the last couple of weeks have been progress for sure. Yes. I, I, I don't think that, you know, I think what you're seeing is, is progress now. Obviously needs will be a lot better, but um, at least I think it's giving Gerson and, and Finch an idea of, kind of what they have going forward. And that's what this whole last stretch right was, right, about, like, put them all together, see what you got, and then decide, you know, who sticks, who goes, and kind of what the game plan is. And at least they're getting to see that, like this group together. And so you have an idea this offseason which, you know, which direction you need to go. This does prove why coaching is important, too. Like, for, for all we talk about, or, you know, yeah, they can throw the team out there and, you know, pro sports, I, I think there's always debates about, how much influence coaching has and, and game planning and things like that. I mean, Chris Finch has done a really good job and like you can, you can see the difference just in structure and in the plays they run and in what they do. That was, that was not there previously. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I assume you still, some of this is still doing it on the fly because I, you know, at this point in the season, I don't know how much NBA teams actually practice you know, and in, in are installing things is probably just is more tweaks than anything. So I'll be curious to see kind of how, you know, once they have a, a training camp and off season to really implement what he wants to do, how much different it looks. But yeah, I mean, at least it's, you know, the Russell, Russell still takes some shots that drive me crazy. Um, oh yeah. But, but like oh, yeah. Hey, man, when he gets, when he gets on a roll, it's, you know, they're, they can be tough to defend because, um, you know, obviously Cat, what his he he had a couple moves the other night, Judd, the, the step backs or the pull up threes. I mean, you just don't see that too often. Oh, you know, the talent's off the unique, charts. Yeah, he has such a unique skill set that man, absolutely. You, you hope you get to see that built around a winner. Like how far would it be if this team actually, you know, won and was relevant? And you know, this would be a basketball town, but. They have to, you know, they got a long way to go to get to that point. Chip Scoggins, I have, I have, as we do this podcast, breaking NFL news for you: Uh-oh. a trade, a trade sure. that, a trade that very well will alter the, um, the way that the draft unfolds in the first round Thursday night. All right. According to our buddy Tom Pelissero, the Carolina Panthers are trading quarterback Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos for a sixth round pick per a source. Really? So, so George Payton, who really? of course was oh, yes, Spielman's assistant, <laughs> gets Teddy um, in Denver, and Payton had just taken over what in the uh, in the spring as who the Carolina pick GM. Now? So Carolina, well, no, a sixth round pick. Oh, so, so they're they're still picking. The... So so, but but they've got they've got Darnold. And now they've traded Teddy to the Broncos. The Broncos are picking ninth in the first round. But the point so being is, I assumed that they were going to feel the pressure to find a replacement, possibly for Drew Locke with that ninth pick. Now that's likely off. So does that mean somebody jumps up to Denver spot to try to get one of those quarterbacks? That's that's a possibility. Or they, they fill a different need. But that is an interesting 
Um, so that's one less quarterback probably that goes in the top. Well, that's one less team that needs a quarterback, so you might be right. The Broncos well, might yeah, trade back. Well, yeah, one less team. So now, yeah, if, if there's no trades, but i I got to imagine oh, yeah. someone is going to see, hey, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, because the top three are going to be Lawrence, um, uh, Wilson, Wilson, Mac Jones. Well, do you think the San Francisco? I, I can't buy that one. Like I keep seeing it, and I know that that there's a chance that Shanahan thinks he's Cousins 2.0, but I just keep thinking it's going to be Trey Lance. I might be totally wrong. Yeah, well, uh, one of them there, and then um, so then you'd have Fields, you know, Fields, and either Mac or, Jones or Trey Lance. Yep. to go to. Where Atlanta? Atlanta's going to take. They hey. got to take one. To, they got to find. Uh, They're being mocked. Ryan's Kyle. backup, right? Don't you have to find Ryan's backup or they, successor? I mean, they pick fourth, and they're being mocked. Kyle Pitts a lot. Boy, when do you start thinking about turning the page well, quarterback there? So Pitts did. So Pitts did an interview with somebody on Tuesday, Chip, and mm-hmm. he said he thinks, and I don't know if he's lying to create a smokescreen or if he he's been told this by the Falcons. He thinks that the top four picks will be quarterbacks. So I, I, he thinks what you just said will happen. I, I think so. I mean, don't you? I, I think at some point you got to find Matt Ryan's successor. So then that would be four. And then, yeah, the, the next spot would be that Denver one. So, uh, yeah, because it goes Bengals. So it goes Bengals, Dolphins, Lions at seven, Panthers at eight, and then Denver at nine, Broncos at nine, Cowboys. So maybe that's where, uh, maybe that's where. Bill Belichick trades up and gets okay, one so, of them, right? Yeah, so three teams three teams that I think could trade up, okay? 15, the Patriots, which you mm-hmm. just said, which I agree with. 19 is Washington. They need a quarterback badly. Sure, yeah. So I could see them trying to trade up, and the 28th team picking is the Saints, who I could see them doing it. Well, what would it take for them to come all the way up from 28? Well, but Sean Payton's crazy. Like, he's yeah, he'd, he'd give yeah. up a draft. Like he would trade most of a draft to get a quarterback. Boy, that's interesting. Yeah, that's uh, well, George Payton reunited with uh, Teddy. That's uh, he's got Zimmer's guy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, that that shakes stuff up a little bit. So yeah, so there. So rip yeah. up the mock draft. Well, I do think you're right about. <laughs> I do think that that you're right though. I I think that for all there's been smoke screens and talk about possibly if Mac Jones goes goes third. Uh, possibly Lance or Fields free falling and or both. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think somebody comes up within that top ten and gets them. I just I don't yeah. see I don't see the Aaron Rodgers thing happening. Not any. Well, I'm not saying it's never more, but I, I just think um, there's such a temptation to yep. to get that guy that you know. I think teams are like, well. You know, we can't wait, or he's not. This guy's not going to fall. Somebody's going to jump up and get him. So, um, boy, it, it that shakes things up, though. It, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who uh, who comes up because I I this is Belichick, right? This, this seems like a total Belichick thing to jump up and get that nine pick and, and take one of them there, whoever you know. Absolutely, but I I think it all depends. Though. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what you know. I think they're kind of the key, right? I mean, that's how it could. Yes. Well, I guess San Francisco is which one they take, but if if Atlanta is going to, or if the Vikings are are uh, robot us, Chip Scoggins. Oh, how how fun would that be? That's what we were, we were talking about with Royce the other day. Is how different a draft is in your town when you know your team's taking a quarterback. 
Yes, good or bad. Good or bad. Yes, you're right. <laughs> good or bad, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Awesome stuff, sir. Talk to you next week, okay? All right, brother. Thanks, Chip Scoggins. This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.